Christmas is breaking out all over, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the unpromising start. And I just want to read part of the Christmas story here. And just, let's just think for a few minutes about, about this story. Luke chapter 2 says this, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken and at, of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. And she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. What a mess. What an unpromising start. What a mess. It seems to me that, as Richard reminded us last week, that this began so inconsequentially. A teenage pregnancy just another teenager who got into trouble, or so it would seem. A teenage pregnancy, and if that isn't enough, poor Mary, as she's going through the pregnancy, and Joseph, bless his heart, decides to stay with her, in the middle of this, they get a message. I don't know, a town crier comes to the village or something, and they are ordered to travel to their hometown to do a census. My goodness, when they worked it out, they counted the weeks and suddenly they realized that they were gonna have to travel just when Mary was supposed to be giving birth. What a mess. Perfect timing, not. What a disaster. And so they began the journey and, and actually it was slow of necessity. Presumably, maybe, possibly they had a donkey. Tradition would have it. And Mary sat on that, but they had to go slow even then because she was so full of the babe and the babe was imminently going to be born. Finally, they get into Bethlehem itself and guess what? Premier Inn have lost the booking. <laughs> what a mess. And poor old Joseph is stood there at the kind of concessionaire's desk mouthing but there's no room in the inn. And so the master of the universe, the wonderful counselor, the king of kings, the prince of peace, ends up being born in a stable out the back and being placed in a manger. What a mess. What an extraordinary mess. But you know what? There is something, as I've said two or three times just recently, that is irrepressible about this good news. There is something irrepressible about the purposes of God. There is something irrepressible about Christmas and the gospel. Let's read the next little section of the story here. Luke chapter two, beginning at verse eight. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, everyone, everywhere, whatever your background, 
Whatever your color, whatever your shape, your size, your age, good news for all people. Today, in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly, a great company A great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests forever, 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 forever. It's interesting, isn't it? that the angels came to the shepherds. Gabriel came to a teenager. The angel visited Joseph, a carpenter, saying, it's all right, son, take her as your wife. It's not what you think. It seems that God is not phased by our humanity, our ordinariness. It seems that he is not thrown in the midst of his great plans. And he does not, he does not draw back from from engaging with us and the the problems and challenges of our life. In fact, he seems to embrace them. He delights in them. You know, I loved what Richard said last week. I thought he did an outstanding job there. And and that little line that just stuck with me, I don't know about you, there were so many of them, but that little line about God doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. You know, as if on cue, something seemed to happen just on cue. I, I heard from Pastor Samuel, who is, who is the leader of Bethesda Mission, and we've been partnering with them for 15 years now. And Bethesda Mission is a group of churches and orphanages in, in Tamil Nadu in India, and we've had a long relationship. There's a whole story about how that began. It was almost miraculous. A friendship struck up against all odds and expectations between a street kid that became a man, became a pastor, who came to England and met me. And I was in a room with other pastors. And they were all kind of trying to you know, impress me and sell me things and do things. But the Lord just spoke to me. Hang out with that guy. Be, the Lord actually said to me, be that man's friend. He didn't even speak English. He was just along for the ride. And when I started showing him interest and we began to get behind, people got irritated with us. Uh, I'm the big wig. Yeah, he, what was he doing here? It was extraordinary. And a, a friendship began with him. And as a result of that, you may not know this. You may not realize this. Ordinary people, hold your head high. But you have done, God has done through you extraordinary things in Tamil Nadu. There's a big banner that's hung across the front as you come in. As you go out, do just turn around and read it. Read it. We have given out your gifts. We send in excess of 2,000 pounds a month out there. In fact, we've, uh, if I can take this liberty, a bit of an emergency, a septic tank at Pandala, one of the orphanages that we support. Part of this thing, the septic tank's gone there. The kids are squatting out in a ditch. I said to Samuel, I said, look, get it fixed. We'll pay. We've sent the money off. It would help us if we could backfill that that sum of money. 3,800 pounds for a septic tank and also some 
some Christmas clothes we bought them. I'm going to get Rich to just stand at the back there with some buckets as you go out. Just chuck your change and let's see if we can do that. But that's, it's not an appeal, this. I'm not actually going to be appealing for any, any money or anything. I really want to commend you guys because God seems to love doing great things through, through ordinary people. He, he does that again and again. And this week, not only did I get this message from Samuel, but extraordinarily, I came across not just the banner, but also I got a DVD. They've been doing this DVD for two years. And suddenly I wanted to rewrite this talk, and I wanted to show you this DVD to encourage you to say to you, well done. God has done extraordinary things through you. You may feel very ordinary, but the book is about God doing extraordinary things through ordinary people. So sit back and enjoy this story. It's about five, 10 minutes. It's about Pastor Samuel's story and the work that we are enabling him to do out there in India. Thanks, guys. I just want to say congratulations, guys. I mean, it's just wonderful to see that. And, uh, it's great to see the, the, the whole Bethesda Life Center at Govindapuram, which we, we built and paid for. Um, a number of our people have been out there. In fact, my sister's out there at the moment. John uh, Eek and Linda Eek, our directors, were out there four weeks ago just checking out all the finances. We want it to be squeaky clean. And he came back with a good bill of health, so the work progresses. And we're hoping to turn the, the um, community center, life center, into a, a place for destitute uh, old people over there, um, it really is a terrible thing. Some of you have been with us and you know the situation, so we're wanting to build on that. So that's, that's why you know, some of your tides go to. When, when you buy coffee, uh, you know, as Rick used to say, when you get a cafe latte with an umbrella in it, the profits for that always go to our, our Indian orphanages. So you've done a great job. I want to just wind up by saying this, and perhaps the band can come and join me and we'll, we'll finish, we need to go home. But. But you know, we began with this whole what a mess thing, and sometimes it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like three steps forward and two steps back, and you plan and you prepare, and then something like snow or muskrats in Arizona come and kind of turn it, tip it all upside down. But there is something extraordinary, something irrepressible about the love of God and the grace and the mercy of God. And if it's, if it's a case of saying what a mess, it's also a case of what a message, a, a message which which really celebrates Christmas in Macy's, as, as we shop till we drop, as we do all of this. You know, God doesn't frown on that. He loves that. He, he wants us to celebrate. He, he's not the kind of disapproving uncle who says, well, you can play for five minutes, but then we must get back to doing our homework or whatever it is. It's not his nature. It's not his heart. But it's good news for us in the West, but it's also good news for the poor. It's an amazing God-given, wonderful message. And, and it's all about really saying, what a Messiah. What a Messiah. What a Savior. This, this God who became man, who died on the cross for us, who gave himself for us, who came to rescue us and now pours out his life into us that we might know life in all its fullness. John 10.10. 10. And then finally, I suppose, at a time like this, it's a good a good time to reflect and ask the question, what about me? Am I engaged? Am I part of this? Or do I just show up and take my free donut and my coffee and disappear? You know, 
am I engaged with this? And I want to say to you, you know, I'm making an assumption here that, that actually it, it's pretty much the core here today because you, know, you fought through the snow and all of it. But I, I don't want to miss a moment here. For some of you here, the what about me may be actually a question about what do I, what I make of Jesus? What do I make of his love? What, what do I, what, have I responded? You know, I, or am I at the sidelines watching this going on? Or, and I want to say to you, today would be a great day for you to come yourself as we each of us have to. We can do it as a community, but each of us in our own right has to come to God and to say, thank you for Jesus. I'll have some of that. Please forgive my sin. Please live in and through me. Please take me, an ordinary person, and do extraordinary things.